Welcome to the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, where we help you make a meaningful impact in your communities and get accepted to your dream university. Becoming the person that Ivy League schools recruit is more enjoyable and meaningful than you ever imagined. Come find out why. Hello and welcome everyone. This is part two of my interview with Iris Fu. If you missed part one, you definitely want to go back and listen to that. First, you'll get to know Iris, hear a little bit more about who she is and and why we're interviewing her. Just a fantastic episode one, and this is part two. So we are so lucky to have Iris with us and enjoy part two. Fantastic. So speaking of your evidence and how prolific you have been, I mean, you have been prolific throughout high school top AP scores in I don't know how many subjects, like 10, something like that, um, <laughs> publishing an economics book um, and making it gender neutral, by the way, which is amazing. You've, you've interned and spent a lot of hours doing that this summer. You, your, your platform that was designed to bridge nations, training to be an elite, what is it called? A flautist? Is that right? I don't want to mispronounce. <laughs> I don't, yeah, don't want to offend all our musician okay. friends. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't get offended. <laughs> training to, but you're elite um in in music you play the piano really well your youtube channel is is very entertaining and and obviously helping thousands of people around the world can i just ask you how do you manage to get so much done yeah that's a great question and i get asked that quite a lot when i first tried to answer this question i think i was having a really hard time because i felt like a lot of my answers were really generic. So just like using a planner, um, blocking off time for certain things, having a calendar, uh, like these things. And that was like my right. sole answer. And as I reflected on it more, I think it's because everything that I'm doing, um, I like, so I like, I basically like everything that I'm doing. And yeah. so none of it really feels like work to me. And I think something that high schoolers get stressed out about is like, let's say they're um, a musician and they get really stressed about their music. But if you think about it, like a lot of adults have music as their hobby and it's something that they go to after their day job and it's something they use to de-stress. And I think as a high schooler, we can also view it that way. It's really quite a luxury to be able to have all these extracurriculars like not everybody is able to do that like some people do have to work right to provide for their families and I think just viewing all of these things I'm doing as a privilege rather than a burden has helped me one not burn out and two do my very best at them and three just you know be productive because I I'm like liking everything I'm doing and everything gives me energy so I think that is actually just the most fundamental and biggest reason for me getting so much done. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's like so much, but like doing all these things. So it's, it's yeah. a lot. It's it's really a lot. And I, I just love, let me just emphasize, highlight for the listeners. I mean, so much there that is so valuable, but a lot of people spend their time managing spend their time managing time, focus on managing their time and making sure they have enough hours to do what they anticipate doing. And and you just use the phrase, my energy, right? I don't run out of energy or I don't get burned out. You, you alluded to this idea that when we manage our energy, when we arrange our activities around what feeds us rather than what, what wears us out, then... exactly. Yeah, that's at least as important, maybe more important than managing the minutes and the hours on the schedule. And so here you are, if you are good at at participating in activities that feed you energy, 
and that's you're good at making those choices and saying yes to those activities, then you're going to want to spend your time doing it. And that will lead to you becoming more effective at managing your time. And so fantastic. So how do you choose? How do you choose what to say no to then? I mean, it it might be obvious, but I'll let you. Yeah. So just hopping off of what you were saying with the energy, I think that's so important. And like in high school, there were definitely activities that just drained my energy, absolutely drained my energy. Um, So one specific example would be school band. So Mm -hmm. obviously I love playing the flute. I went into it. Well, I went into band because I liked flute, but I went to a public high school and um, the people in band didn't really practice and the music wasn't great. And I don't know, just something about playing with people who aren't as motivated as you just drains your motivation and your energy. And I was actually in band until junior year of high school. And a lot of it was peer pressure in a sense, because a lot of my friends since middle school um, and I have been in band together and I feel like no one quits band. So I was so like, like implicitly pressured to like stay in. So I also had this mindset of, oh, like college is value commitment. I have to stay in this for four years. And like by junior year, you know, that's usually people's busiest year. And I had a lot of APs going on, a lot of other extracurriculars and band was just absolutely terrible. (laughs) And I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to stop. And that actually gave me so much more energy to devote to my other activities. And actually with the time off I had from that class, so that was like an hour and a half times three per week. So I don't know if I made that very clear, but we have Mm -hmm. band three times a week for an hour and a half. And so that was that was four and a half hours every week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I could devote that to practicing solos and just on my own. And that extra time, I think, was actually one of the biggest reasons I was able to win this competition. And that competition got me to perform at the Carnegie Hall, which I think ultimately added quite a bit to my college application. Um, But it all came from, you know, quitting the things that was draining my energy. So with the question of what do I say no to, I think after that band experience and just realizing how liberated and how liberated I felt after quitting and how quitting actually propelled my other interests and the things I actually cared about, I think now I just say no to whatever doesn't feel exciting and um, feels like would drain my energy. So for example, I had another internship before my current internship. And I was in it for about two, three weeks and I didn't love the people. I didn't really love the content of the work. I did learn quite a bit just because it was a new industry, but at the, like by like two, three weeks, I'm like, uh, not really feeling like this is pushing me. I don't really feel that excited by it. So I just quit and I found another internship that was more exciting. And, um, Now going into Stanford, you know, there's a lot of clubs, um, a lot of people asking you to join. And I think I just have the same framework of how exciting is this to me? And I, I think I usually join by this feeling of excitement and then I will stop and quit whenever it just doesn't feel, um, it it just doesn't feel like it's, um, fueling my energy anymore. Right. Right. Well, and I think you're you're such a, a social person. And so a lot of that's going to depend on the the standard of excellence of the people that you're with. 
and mm-hmm. how much you're being pushed and how much people are pushing themselves around you, how much you can help each other and support each other. And then, of course, does this fit within your passions? Is this something that you're excited about? I think you have wisdom, tremendous wisdom, uh, absolutely, absolutely valuable to see these potential opportunities through that lens. That's fantastic. So what advice would you give to an ambitious seventh grade girl, right? Because here you are, you've developed over the past five, six years, and you've begun to understand yourself and your passions, your values. You know better than you used to what is important to you. And so you can make those decisions a little bit easier. It's harder when you're younger, if you're 12, 13 years old. It's harder to know as well as you do what what feeds you energy and, and everything else. So what advice would you give to an ambitious seventh grade girl, say, who who hopes to follow in your footsteps and attend Stanford in a few years? <laughs> Yeah, so to preface my response, I think just reflecting on middle school, I think it was a very, uh, how do I describe this? Like herd <laughs> mentality. <laughs> like herd mentality was a huge thing in middle school, right? Like you want to yeah. fit in. That was that was the biggest thing people were going for. And so to any seventh grade girl out there, I would say it's hard, <laughs> but you have to trust yourself to step out side of that herd because you are an individual you're different from everybody else and just because the majority of people are doing it doesn't mean you have to take that path as well so don't be afraid to take the road less taken Uh (laughs) i don't think that's i don't think that's how it goes but and somehow it does get better it doesn't feel like life is ever going to escape like you'll ever escape junior high when you're stuck in the middle of it but time Mm -hmm. does pass and it does get better yeah that's so important yeah. Yeah. I think middle school is definitely when there's, it feels the most clicky, but you know, you go into high school and you realize people are starting to branch out a little bit. And then you go into college and realize that the world is even bigger. And really at the end of the day, no one really cares that much whether or not you're doing the exact <laughs> same thing that they are. <laughs> uh-huh. So don't be afraid to do your own thing and pursue your interests, even if no one else is interested in the same thing. So, so tell me, tell me what you think of this. It feels like your friends have made a tremendous positive impact on you and that you have been a tremendous positive impact in your sphere of influence among your friends. And so how important is it, would you say, to be careful and, and deliberate and proactive in choosing your friends rather than being reactive and just uh, spending time with whoever, whoever is around you at that moment. Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. Uh, I think there's like a saying that says how you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. Um, especially at such an early age. So Steve, I know we were before we started, uh, recording or before we started answering all these questions, um, you know, when we're young, our brains are very, um, we can mold our brains a lot. And depending on our influence and our environment, how we think and the languages that we remember or the values that we have, it's so impacted by our surroundings. So I think it's super important that you choose the right group of friends. And I think in this context, what right means is that the friends, um, they will motivate or inspire you to be a better version of yourself. And that may sound cheesy, but I think um, the framework I have for choosing a friend is, do do they have qualities that I 
want to see in myself. And oh, if they, yeah. if they do, then it's like, yeah, I definitely want to be influenced by that person. So let's spend more time hanging, hanging out together. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Uh, you've, you've mentioned, speaking of this, positive self-talk, positive mantras. Um, what do you say? Do you have tips for someone who wants to, to be more positive or to try out positive self-talk but feels like it's awkward? Um, some people feel like it's kind of fake, you, talking to yourself or, or repeating a mantra. Uh, what do you say to people who are just trying this out or, or maybe are, are just feel awkward and, and not sure that they want to buy in to, to that philosophy? Yeah, I would say there's definitely an initial uh, re. I, what what do you call this? Like a initial friction. It, I guess it's just awkward. So uh-huh. I would say you just have to get over it. I think just push through, and the I think the less you think it's awkward, the less awkward it'll be. So even that part manifests in itself. So just don't be afraid. You know, just you're 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 talking to yourself. Like no one is looking mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like what's the worst thing that can happen right so i think just really believe in what you're saying and it will manifest and i think this is actually something that i learned from sports so i played tennis and a big thing that my tennis coach uh told us was that you even when you lose a point right? You have to have that positive self-talk and um, to be like, all right, next one. Or you basically have to adjust your mentality such that you're impartial so that like when you lose a point, you're not like, ah, you know, I suck. And then if you say that to yourself, you're going to lose the rest of the match. But if you just move on from that and um, just focus on like every single shot and take it as it comes, you know, you have, you have, the ability to bounce back and ultimately win the match. And so I think that's where I got this like mantra and positive self-talk from. Um, And I think when you are in a match, like a sports game, you really have no option but to say it to yourself. And I don't think it's awkward because, you know, it's in your head at that point. And so maybe that's something that people can try. If you feel awkward talking it out loud, then just think it in your head. Um, Maybe think it when you're playing a match because, you know, it really is a game. it's in sports. So don't be afraid to perform or act in that scenario. And I think it will just become more natural over time. Oh, absolutely. And and you're going to hear the same thing around music, around performing on the stage or in drama or, or choir or anything like that, speech and debate, et cetera. What I think is, is fascinating is when I spend time on campus at Harvard, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much time you've spent on campus yet, but you're, you've spent a lot of time with, with people who are going to good schools, and, and then it won't be long before you spend time at Stanford. And what I find is that there's no awkwardness around mindfulness and meditation. There's no awkwardness around positive self-talk. Everyone, nearly everyone, has figured out that this is a really critical part of high performance. And so... It's just shockingly unusual to find anyone who says, yeah, you know, I'm not big into positive self-talk at Harvard. I just never I just never ran into those people. I I imagine they're there. But I I just find that um, high performers on college campuses, in high schools and in the business world and outside throughout sports and every field, high performers have learned how to address that self-talk and they're not sabotaging themselves. 
through something that can be fixed internally. And so they've developed this ability to to use positive mantras and positive self-talk. And so I love your advice and, and uh, your experience in athletics. You can see probably when you're playing tennis and the other person is broken and you can say, mm-hmm. okay, I've got them now. They've, they've given <laughs> up on themselves. They're not, they're not resetting after each missed point. They've started to give in. Now they're broken. It's only a matter of time and this game's over. And so, yeah, we can, we can even see that in some fields, but certainly even if it's awkward, I love it. Just do it. Get over that initial uh, friction or, or whatever we want to call it, that initial resistance and and just keep doing it until it's not awkward anymore because it absolutely high performers in every field have learned to master it it's worth feeling awkward for a few days all right one last question yeah one last question um you are in, in in addition to being really effective in a number of different fields from sports to music to um obviously academics and now you're pushing yourself to learn how to sell better with your internship. You're doing all kinds of wonderful things, but you're also a very kind person. And I wanted to ask you about that. Is, is kindness something that you've decided to be, uh, have, you, have you spent time and decided to be more kind and to foster that, to develop that within yourself? And, and why? Why is kindness so important to you? Yeah, good question. So I think kindness for me just goes down to my personal values and how I find meaning in life. So let's just say we strip away all the accomplishments as a student. Um, What ultimately makes life meaningful for me as an individual? And I think that just comes down to kindness and giving others kindness and um, like helping others. And I think this is quite universal as well. I don't think I'm the only person who finds joy from being kind to other people and finds fulfillment from helping other people out. I think that is a very human quality. And um, I think at the end of the day, you know, it just feels good to be kind. And um, it definitely makes me a more positive person. And it helps me be more productive because it fuels my energy. And I think kindness just makes the world a better place. So I just really can't think of like a bad reason to not be kind. Yeah. You you mentioned it's kind of, kind of feels like it's universal. It's common sense. Um, Everyone can understand this intuitively. It doesn't really need an explanation. And yet common sense is not common practice. Right. And so but choosing to make kindness common practice makes you extraordinary. And it's something that all of us can do. Right. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't require specialized skills. We can start looking around and saying, you know what, if if uh, I have the ability to solve this problem, I'm going to try to solve it for this person. That's something that I can do. And and that's going to make their life a little bit better. A little, and, and it adds meaning to my life. It's just a beautiful, beautiful philosophy. Yeah. So fantastic. Well, do you have any other advice to uh, those who are listening in? No, I'd say biggest advice is to not stress too much about college. I know that's way easier said than done, but just know that really what's most important is building yourself and your skills and for a life beyond college and viewing college as just one step of a very long journey. Very well said. So much wisdom in our time together today. 
Uh, Iris, I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your experience, to share your wisdom, share your kindness and your voice with the world. I think it's going to make a big difference in the listeners. I think this has been a very helpful podcast. And I really, truly appreciate you and all that you're doing to make your sphere of influence a better place. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Steve. It was a pleasure. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.